This is an ABC podcast. Welcome to the post-election world, if you're in Australia, that is. Now, if you examine the map of our region and look just northwest of our continent, you may see, especially if you're looking at a science book, something called the Wallace Line. It's a boundary, one between all our thousands of Australian and New Guinea creatures and plants and those to the north. The Wallace Line is hugely significant, especially to fellows like Dr Ken Walker. He's been at Museums Victoria since 1981, and he's described over 150 new species of our bees, given them names as well, some of them. And he's especially keen on the naming of bugs in general. Some have been named after him. Here then is Ken Walker at the Royal Society of Victoria. I've got a great job. <laughs> I work just up the road at the museum. And I work in the insect morgue. Other people may call it the insect entomology collection, but I'm surrounded by about two million dead insects, so it's a morgue without a doubt. The collection's got a wonderful coverage. Our oldest specimen is a butterfly caught in China in 1742. And the most recent I collected, we did a bioscan down in the Otways at the end of last year. So it's a wonderful, wonderful spread there. The collection has an amazing mix of culture, history and science. We've got a drawer full of Alfred Russell Wallace specimens. Now these were collected in the late 1850s in the then known Dutch East Indies. Imagine being able to hold a Russell Wallace specimen and particularly to see his handwriting on one of the disc labels there. My job is to be the voice for these insects. What are they? Where do they occur? What makes them special? Whenever you tell a tale or a story about a plant or an animal, you need to begin with its name. And my job really is to name invertebrates, but also then I describe new species, particularly of insects in the bees and that. There aren't many of me in Australia, and most people don't know that I exist until they have a question or a problem about insects or they want to communicate about insects, then somehow they seem to find me, which is really good. I answer questions for a wide range of different groups and people, pathology companies, pest companies, poison information centre, vets, farmers. I do a lot now with artists and authors as well, which is really a nice change. Citizen Science, just recently, yesterday, I did an ID for one of the zoo. They had a wasp in their um, Lord Howe Island stick insect colony, which is a real problem. Now, when people have a problem or an issue with insects and they come to me, I try and define their problem in one of three ways. Is it economically important? Is it medically important or is it just of a nuisance value? If it's economic or medical, I advise them to spend money on it and time. And if it's just nuisance, then it's up to them. It's interesting how many people still go ahead and spend money on things that really aren't worth spending money on. But let me give you an example. There are 270 species of termites in Australia, of which only eight are economically important. These are the ones that leach your house. You can even bring me in a termite and say, I found this termite eating wood in my house. And I can say to you, nope, you haven't got a termite problem. In that case there, most likely perhaps the grouting at the base of your shower has fallen away and water has been seeping through into the wood below, or you might have a dripping pipe, or even you may have a very damp under the house. But only because the wood has rotted have the termites come in. So your solution is to fix the leak, perhaps get some better ventilation, replace the piece of wood, and I've just saved you thousands of dollars on a termite eradication problem. Uh, however, 
If you've got one of the bad termites, then doing a eradication treatment will literally save your house. The name that I give your termite is a unique key that opens up the literature, whether it be in published papers and books or the internet. That's where you can find out all of the accumulated information. Without that key, all I can tell you is, you've got a termite, there are good ones, there are bad ones, but I can't give you any advice. Now, interestingly, the information I give you now is only because previously taxonomists have spent literally decades naming these 270 species and importantly finding out the biology. Is it a subterranean termite? Is it a damp wood termite or is it a dry wood termite? It's the dry wood termites are the ones that cause the problem. So I rely now on this previous information and that's one of the greatest problems with taxonomy. Often the research we do now answers questions before they've even been asked and people don't want to pay for that. The father of taxonomy was Carl Linnaeus, who in 1578 gave us the binomial system, which is the genus and species. He gave us names like Homo sapiens, us, Apis mellifera, the European honeybee. And we've used these names for centuries as to be able to describe what these species are doing. Dr. Michael Old, a German taxonomist, recently published a book called The Art of Naming. It's a great read, especially if you're a taxonomist, but he, he had some really interesting comments and two of them were, it's through its name that an individual is bestowed with meaning and it's through its naming that it becomes part of our perception of nature, meaning and perception. Imagine if none of you had names. I know it's really crazy, but imagine, there goes your social media account straight away. How would you communicate to each other? What would you be able to do? How could you communicate, send a letter, or even get a bank loan? Our names are essential to our essence. In the animal world, most of the vertebrates have been named, but a recent study found out that only 30% of Australian invertebrates have been named, and that percentage drops down to 20% from a worldwide basis. Only 3% um, of our Australian nematodes have been named, 19% of our spiders and 33% of our insects have been named. What are we missing out on? Well, let's have an example of mosquitoes. Uh, worldwide, mosquitoes kill about a million people through money malaria. No other animal kills humans as much as mosquitoes do. In Australia, mosquitoes transmit diseases like dengue fever, Murray Valley encephalitis, Ross River virus and many others. Australia's got 220 species of mosquitoes named, but we know right now there's over 200 undescribed species simply sitting in collections. They're undescribed, they're undocumented, and we don't know what vectors for diseases they are. Unfortunately, in 2005, the only Australian at the time mosquito taxonomist got a better job offer in America. So off he went and we lost our only mosquito taxonomist. We are praying for a PhD student to come along, do a PhD on mosquito taxonomy, and then basically spend the rest of their, his or her life working on them. <laughs> we would love that. The future outbreaks of mosquito diseases will be severely hampered by this name knowledge gap. But scientific names are really just verbal tags. They're just a tag that we aggregate and accrue information around. And we use these names a lot more than we obviously think. Scientific names usher us into the scientific world. What dinosaur-obsessed child can't rattle off Tyrannosaurus rex, Triceratops, or even Velociraptor? 
And if you go to your local nursery, have a look. Every potted plant's label has its scientific name there. So we see them around us all the time on that. Some names tell a story. There's a bee, it's called Brachyhesma bitrichopedalis. Bi means two, trico means hair, and pedalis means foot. And the male of the species has two long hairs coming off its hind foot. But other names are basically flights of fantasy. How about bar humbugai, which is a snail? How about Garth Ambrus Darth Vaderi, which is a crab? How about spongy former square pansii, which is a fungus? One of my favourite is a wasp called Ahaha. And Alan Menke, who described that species, said he got a box of unnamed specimens from another museum. He opened it up and he said, Ahaha, that's a new species. And the name stuck. Taxonomy gets used in many funny ways. In, two, in July 2018, a plane from a major airline took off from the Brisbane airport and immediately had to do an emergency turnaround and come back on down. The pilots didn't know how fast or how high they were flying. Fortunately, that plane survived and everybody on the plane came down. People with similar problems on other planes, they have actually crashed and died. And I was actually delayed coming out of Perth one time. We went out on the tarmac and we had to come back because of this problem. And the problem is that on the wings of these planes are metal hollow tubes called pitot tubes. And they measure altitude and airspeed. But mud wasps love to make their nests inside these hollow tubes and they can do it within 20 minutes. So when a plane lands, they block up these pitot tubes. Now unfortunately, in the Brisbane case, they forgot to remove the covers, which is what caused the problem. The incident stuck up and got going a major funded project to say, well, how can we reduce the mud wasp problem around airports? And of course, the questions were, well, what are the species of mud wasps? Where do they occur? What are their predator-prey relationships? When are they making their nests and that? So they came to the taxonomist and all of this information was available. We had checklist species for them. We had distribution maps and we knew exactly the prey and when they were catching things like that. If that information hadn't been available, then it would have been at least a decade before they even got to day one. Personally, I think they should just concrete the entire surrounds around airports. I don't think you're going to be able to stop them. But there's a wonderful quote from Confucius, and his saying was, the beginning of wisdom comes when you call things by their right name. And that's really what taxonomy is all about. Taxonomy is a fundamental science that's sometimes considered to be blue sky research because there isn't an immediate obvious benefit, commercial benefit, for putting a name on a plant or animal. But taxonomy provides the communication tools for almost everything we do in nature. Well, as I said at the beginning, there's only 30% of the Australian invertebrate fauna known, so I've got a job for life, as do many curatorial generations in front of me. Two weeks ago was the International Taxonomy Appreciation Day. I'm sure you were all popping champagne corks to celebrate taxonomists and taxonomy. Thank you very much. Dr. Ken Walker, there's a name for you. Ken means he knows things, and Walker implies he's usually ambulant, when not asleep, of course. Ken is Senior Curator of Entomology at Museums Victoria. I'm Robin Williams. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.